Hello. Welcome to the program. My name is Mark Farzetta. I was really uh, hoping that uh, today's uh, show would start off with, uh, you know, I was talking about a three-game sweep of the San Francisco Giants and not the Phillies' wild card lead being cut to two and a half games. But here we are. I knew we were going to talk about the preseason game tonight against the Colts because I know that too will be a thriller, just like last night's Phillies game. Uh, <laughs> and we'll also get to some roster bubble guys, but I, I need to start off with one thing here, folks. And I, I don't know if you're like me here, but this is I, I gotta this is non-sports related, but I just have to get this off my chest right out of the gate. Okay. <sighs> the wife and I were at Costco couple days ago you know as uh as uh, you know we tend to do nowadays and uh right away we walk in boom christmas decorations now as some of you may know i am new to the costco world all right my wife is a lifelong uh costco uh loyalist and she's been going there her whole life uh me on the other hand uh i went to costco for the first time like a year ago uh you know you guys give me your suggestions about what was great to get at costco what was the the, the big the, the big uh, the, the bargains uh for those that need to know that what sealed me uh, uh that sealed the deal for me and being a costco guy was the uh locatelli pecorino romano cheese that i'm used to like spending a thousand dollars for a tiny little wedge and then at costco it's like 10 bucks and you get like a whole wheel of cheese um so that was cool, uh, but uh, da, 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 da. I see the I see the Christmas stuff. Okay, is that normal? Does, does Costco do that as early as 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 August every year, or is this just a new thing where they keep on moving up Christmas uh, all the time? Because I remember being a kid and going to like Kmart, and I remember seeing the Christmas decorations at uh, you know um, Thanksgiving. And then I remember seeing it like November 1st. And then I remember seeing it like a couple of weeks before Halloween. And then it kept on like getting earlier and earlier Christmas. Okay. So I'm not ready for August Christmas. If that's a normal thing at Costco, please let me know. If other people have decorations up already to sell at different stores, then please let me know. Point these atrocities out to me. Okay. Um, I'm not ready for that. And I'll tell you what I'm also not ready for. Uh, and this is what sparked this whole debate. All right. I, I don't know how, I don't know why, but it came up in one of my threads that today, today, ladies and gentlemen, today, and this is something that doesn't even directly affect my life, but today the pumpkin spice latte is back at Starbucks. Now, for those of you that might think in this world that where you try to sneak in little advertisements, this is not one of those instances. This is me just telling everyone to slow the hell down. All right. It's not even fall yet. Okay. We're not even in September yet. It, it, we're still enjoying the hot days. At, well, not so much. It's a little cold front coming through Philly, but it's like 77 degrees today with a thunderstorm. But is that even, is that, you mean to tell me the pumpkin spice latte is going to be coming back? You mean to tell me Han Solo season for the ladies is going to be coming back with the boots and the vests and the long sleeve white shirts? You mean to tell me it's that season already? You back the hell off, okay? You back the hell off by speeding up fall, pushing it ahead and slowing down summer, shortening summer the hell's wrong with you people <clears throat> there's one positive one positive the positive is that the uh the, uh, the football season seems like it's coming faster <laughs> that's the one positive of it all but i hope you guys stand with me i hope we stand on a united front stop shortening summer stop extending christmas and don't you dare don't you dare put the pumpkin spice latte out there earlier than ever what the hell is wrong with society I wish I could say that I was making up my rage, but uh, I'm not. I, I, was, I literally saw that, and I was like, "Oh, come on! This is the this is the worst thing since early Christmas decorations being put out in department stores." Is Costco even a department store? What do you call that? A grocer? I don't know. 
as a kid, we went to Sam's Club like twice, and my my mom was like, "This is a, we we wasted so much food, we can't do this." I think my mom we wasted like one hot dog. Anyway, uh, thank you for letting me get off that chest. Get get get. Thank you for letting me uh, get that off my chest. That's that's what that's that's just something I needed to say to start the show. Uh, all right, this Phillies team is so much fun to watch. Um, one of the things I, I really took away from the great run uh, that the Phillies had and making the playoffs for five straight years. Uh, winning the division the way they did for those five straight years, making a two World Series and all that stuff. The, the one thing I really take away from the Ryan Howard, Chase Ellie, Jimmy Rollins, uh, the Philadelphia Phillies, Pat Burrell, Philadelphia Phillies as well in that mix also. Um, one of the things I take away from that is that that was a team that you just looked at and it was like, man, you're never out of a game. You're never out of a game. You could be down four or five runs. You could be down six runs, and you never feel like you're out of it because you have an offense that it can just explode at any moment. And sure enough, the Phillies get the <coughs> back-to-back home runs of back-to-back pitches from Kyle Schwarber and Trey Turner. Then the next thing you know, Bryce Harper steps up to the plate. <clears throat> Bottom of the ninth inning, and all of a sudden he makes something happen there with an incredible home run down the right field line that just hit off the foul pole in right field. Next thing you know, you're tied. You go in the tenth inning, Craig Kimbrell. What the hell, man? <laughs> just good lord. Oh, that was not good. And then you lose it, of course, in the bottom of the ninth inning without not being able to score enough runs. So it. Uh, it's just incredible. This team, you never feel like this team is out of it. You do feel like some guys in the lineup just go through spells. But even Nick Castellanos, who was not having good at bats last night, can step up and help. He got a single after the uh, the uh, the Bryce Harper uh, three-run home run with nobody out, and you tie things up at five-all. That was incredible. And he, and he gets the single. That was great. Uh, then uh, I, I, something rubbed me the wrong way. I didn't like uh, pinch running, pinch running for Nick Castellanos at that point in the game when you had tied it up. I, I like it if you're trying to uh, tie the game up. If he's the tying run at first base, but Rob Thompson decided to go with with a, a different strategy there, um, and then you just couldn't capitalize on other opportunities throughout the ball game. And we'll let you hear from Rob Thompson. But what stuck out to me about the game was what also stuck out to him. There were a couple of a couple of things that stuck out to me about this game. One, Michael Lorenzen last night to start at the beginning just didn't have it, and DeYoung last night. Uh, welcome back to the show after getting DFA'd from the Toronto Blue Jays after getting traded from St. Louis to Toronto at the trade deadline and then getting DFA'd and then a couple days ago winds up on the San Francisco Giants roster and all of a sudden finds himself in a, in a position to make the playoffs and he goes and just torches the Phillies yesterday including a two-run home run. He, uh, perfect timing for the Giants for that guy to help out. But Michael Lorenzen yesterday just, he looked flat. Five and two thirds, eight hits, three walks. Uh, that was obviously not his best stuff. His now back to back starts where he hasn't looked particularly crisp. Uh, when you talk about a guy that's supposed to be the fifth or sixth man in a, in a rotation, and I know his first two starts didn't dictate uh, or didn't go along with that narrative, but over the last two starts, you talk about a guy that's supposed to be a fifth or sixth man in this rotation. Four win- four runs in a start isn't the worst thing in the world. It's far from the best thing in the world. But four runs is an opportunity to still give your chance to, uh, team to win, and they certainly had that late in the game. But he just looked flat. The fastball didn't look like it had life on it. 
His other pitches didn't look like they had any snap to it. Uh, the changeup wasn't working as well as he had uh, used it uh, earlier in his starts with the Phillies. Uh, so just not a very good start for Michael Lorenzen overall. And even compared to, you know, when you start out with a no hitter or another eight inning performance. Uh, yeah. Compared to that. Yes, yeah, certainly it's a drop off, but for just an average pitcher, that's what it was. That's what we had from him yesterday, which was just an average performance to bad performance from Michael Lorenzen. Certainly bad when you compare it to his other stars. But everything just looked looked flat and, of course, very hittable when you talk about eight hits and those three walks where he wasn't able to locate the strike zone either. So that was rough. Um, as far as the other opportunities go in this game, the first thing that, that jumped out to me was – the opportunity that you had to score with Alec Bohm and the hit he had to Jock Peterson in left field where it looked like Jock Peterson. I got to say, Jock Peterson right out of the gate looked like he trapped that baseball in the fifth inning. Now, this would have been an opportunity for the Phillies where you would have had uh, runners on first and second with one out. And Alec Bohm hits a ball to left field. Jock Peterson appears to make uh, a sliding grab. He gets credited for a sliding grab. Okay. I got to say, when I first saw the play happen, I looked at it and I went, that's a trap. There's no way he caught that. There's no way he caught that baseball. So they show the replay of it. And they never gave us like a good slow motion replay of it. So I DVR, I went on my DVR and I I, I rewind and I put it in slow motion and I'm watching it. I'm watching it. I'm watching it. I go, that ball bounced. It bounced. And I thought for a second, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Did the, was the mitt, did the mitt bend under the baseball and it never hit the ground? And then I watched the way the ball, the, the, the mitt goes into the ground and it was, it, it was straight down and the ball clearly bounces on the ground and bounces into the mitt. It didn't bounce in the mitt and further into the mitt. So I'm looking at them like, oh, they're going to, they're going to, they got to, they got to, they're going to review this. And then right away, boom, they, they, they cut to the dugout and they show, oh yeah, we're not going to review that. After the game, Rob Thompson was asked about it. And Rob Thompson said, well, our replay guy, you know, did they, he was asked the question, did you think about reviewing that hit, that that play? And he goes, well, yeah, we did. But our video guy said, that, you know, don't review it. He said it was a catch. I don't know. Now, the tricky part is obviously it was called a catch on the field. I felt like there was conclusive evidence that uh, Jack Peterson's, uh, it was a trap. It was a trap. And unfortunately, they didn't review it. It, it wasted an opportunity there for the Phillies. To have first and second uh, with one out uh, early in the ballgame in that fifth inning, and it would have been an opportunity for them to uh, do some damage there against the uh, the Giants. And unfortunately, they squandered that opportunity due to a horrendous, I will say it, horrendous call. Um, actually, you know what? It would have been first and second with no outs, excuse me, because then JT Real Muto came up. He continues to slump. Yeah, he grounds into the fielder's choice, and then Marsh gets a single. Uh, so you have first and third with two outs in that situation. Um, uh, yeah, it was, it was with one out, excuse me. Uh, and then uh, Jake Cave comes out and he grounds out, unfortunately. So fun times, fun times. Uh, then in the sixth inning, Kyle Schwarber and Trey Turner come up with the back-to-back home runs. It's a 4-2 ball game at this point. Then uh, in the seventh inning, the Giants had one more with Slater's home run, or Slater's RBI. Bloop, RBI double off Matt Straub. Off the knuckles, Slater puts it down the, thir- uh, the third baseline into left field. Uh, it's a 5-2 ball game. And then in the ninth inning, there's just uh, pure magic. Pure magic in that ninth inning. But in the seventh inning, uh, Phillies put the leadoff runner on, Brandon Marsh. 
Then Sosa strikes out and just a horrible at bat. Then Schwarber walks. So now you got two on with one out. Then Turner flies out to center field. Harper then gets hit by a pitch. You get the bases loaded, two outs. Nick Castellanos. Nick Castellanos on facing uh, Rogers in that at bat. Rogers is a submariner. Gets him on a low fastball that never entered the strikes. Like I thought Nick Castellanos early in the at bat was recognizing and seeing the pitch, uh, seeing the ball well out of Rogers' hand. And for whatever reason, just took a hack at a ball and grounded out to the shortstop out of a pitch that never entered the strike zone. And it was like out of his shoelaces. It was uh, bad at bat. Um, Then you go into the eighth inning, uh, nothing really doing there for the Phillies, unfortunately. Beck came in in that eighth inning for the Giants, and he had that sweeper just working beautifully, kept guys fooled and off balance in that inning. And then you go into the ninth inning, and Bryce Harper was just fantastic, just fantastic. And to take you through my emotions during that at bat, Harper comes up, and after he walks two guys, swings at the first pitch, and I'm like, oh, dear God. And I'm like, even though I know it's Bryce Harper and I know he can tie this up, I'll take a walk. I'll take a walk. And then sure enough, he ends up with a 3-1, uh slider that stayed up inside and he just turned on it just turned on it and harper was playing beat up he had fouled a ball off his knee he uh got hit in the forearm with a pitch uh and of course he has the back tightness going into the game and that back looked fine when he just flip oh man he just flipped that bat head out there and just pulled that ball down the right field line for the three-run homer to tie things up at uh, five ball uh, and then the Phillies just unfortunately ran out of magic. But there are opportunities in this game for the Phillies to go out there and do some damage. And unfortunately, it just wasn't meant to be. Opportunity to sweep the uh, the San Francisco Giants. Now, here's where we're at in the wild card standings. The Phillies right now are two and a half games up on the field. Uh, Chicago Cubs, Cincinnati Reds occupy the second and third wild card spots down in the National League. The Giants out of the wild card race. Well, they're in the race. Uh, They're a half game out, as are the Diamondbacks, the Marlins, who lost again. They are two games out of wild card, uh, uh, the wild card spot. And the Padres, uh, six games out. So that's kind of where it all ends uh, for the wild card spot. But there have been certain guys for the Phillies that have just really been struggling uh, as of late. Nick Castellanos has taken a step back. I know he had a three-run homer against the uh, Washington Nationals to tie things up there in Washington in that Saturday game. But the one guy in particular, we could talk about uh, from the from the mound, certainly Michael Lorenzen over his last uh, two starts. We could talk about Craig Kimbrell and how he has had some struggles, obviously, since the All-Star break. But JT Real Muto is the guy that really sticks out to me in this Phillies lineup. Uh I've said it many times before that Nick Cast, excuse me, that uh, JT Real Muto is a guy that that is kind of like when you get Cassianos, you got Schwarber, you got uh, Bryce Harper, you have young guys hitting the way they are. JT Real Muto has been a guy this year that's really been lost in the fold. And you look at what he's been doing over the last couple of days or last couple of weeks, and his numbers have actually been pretty decent over the last two weeks. When you look at the last two weeks, including last night's game, he's hitting 295 with a 326 on base percentage. It, it hasn't looked like that in watching him. It doesn't feel like he's had that kind of consistency. But then you look over the last month, and sure enough, he's a 273 hitter. That's shocking to me. And I'm looking at last night's game, over five in the ball game, had some horrible hacks. Like the thing that we were crushing Nick Castellanos for last year, the thing that we're crushing Trey Turner for 
uh, the first four months of the season was just flailing at that pitch that was low and away. Those sliders, those breaking balls, low and away. And he's getting in two strike counts where he's just whiff, whiff on those pitches that are just so far outside. And yesterday he struck out on two of those pitches. Uh, two of those occasions with the runners in scoring position yesterday. Both of those occasions with runners in scoring position yesterday were an opportunity to really help the ball club and then came up small. But over the last week, you're talking about a guy who's hitting over 300. It's insane to me to look back over the numbers. He did have a horrible June where he batted 217. Uh, July, he started to bounce back a little bit, get closer to at least his season, season average, which is 250, 240 last month. And so far in the month of August, you have a 288 hitter. I don't know. It's it's like the very hot and cold of JT Real Muto. That's what we're seeing. Um, after the game, Rob Thompson was asked about uh, today and you know, the Phillies having an off day before they start a series with the uh, the the, San, uh, the San, with the St. Louis Cardinals and whether or not this is going to be a really good thing for JT Real Muto. He's been good numbers wise, but in the clutch, he seems like he's coming up very small. Very small for this ball club. You got to get more out of them. Uh, I know overall the numbers have looked good, but when you talk about the overall eye test, I mean, sometimes the eyes can deceive. But uh, I don't think in this case, especially when you're talking about those pitches that have been low and away with opportunities to put runners across the plate, just flailing at pitches. You can't have it. Uh, as for this team never being out of it, Rob Thompson was asked about it after the ball game yesterday. Here's what Rob Thompson had to say. Again, it's it's these guys just keep fighting. Keep fighting back. Doesn't doesn't matter what score is. Even in the tenth inning, you know we had a shot, but um, you know it just came up short. We had plenty of opportunities uh, in the middle innings there, but uh, we just came up short. We are just about to uh, get into. By the way, you did say that Bryce Harper was fine, which is a, a nice thing to hear uh, after the back tightness, which is going to keep him at uh, the designated hitter position again for I'm going to say a while. Uh, so my goal of everyone's goal of him playing first base, like five days a week, seems like it's not going to happen anytime soon. And then uh foul ball off his knee said it didn't bother him until he got to first base. Hopefully he'll be fine. Uh, he looked fine once again, uh, later in that ball game and the, the back issue, as I mentioned, and then of course getting hit in the forearm just keeps getting dinged up and not to mention he had Tommy John surgery 20 minutes ago. So we'll, uh, we'll see how all that uh, plays out for tonight or excuse me for uh for Bryce Harper over the next couple of days here's where I'm at with this Phillies team as I've been saying for a while I feel like this is a playoff team and I'm not just saying that because they're two and a half games up when they were still fighting to get into the wild card uh I was saying that this was going to be a playoff team I still feel like this is going to be a playoff team um I just feel like through last year's experience this lineup knows when to pull it together I feel like through last year's experience, uh, the starting pitching knows how to pull focus. Um, and I just feel like overall, this roster will always be in games. And when you're a team like this in a tightly wrapped wild card race, I feel like you're the team that's going to come out on top. I will say, uh, when you look at some other teams here, once again, to go over this, the Cubs being in the position that they are right behind the Phillies, uh, two and a half games uh, behind the Phillies for the top spot in the wild card. And a half game in the Cubs have been one of the hottest teams of baseball since the all-star break. And the Cubs, even since uh, the trade deadline have been one of the better teams in baseball. Obvi- uh, also uh, the Reds since uh, LED, the Cruz has been up, have just been a totally different ball club. They have been incredible. Uh, this wouldn't shock me in the least bit to see 
this team uh, these uh, wild card teams that are in it right now be the the, the final uh, teams to make it in there but some teams have just been on an absolute tear and the Chicago Cubs are one of those teams that you don't want to face them in the playoffs because they are that hot team. Cody Bellinger had been on a tear right after the uh, leading up to, and then right after the trade deadline, because of course he was the number one guy that I wanted to see coming here to Philadelphia to have uh, Kyle Schwarber, who was not looking good in left field again yesterday. Hey, look, they had another home run. Fine. But in left field, it's pretty special uh, uh, to, to watch a guy that, uh, you know, should be a designated hitter as opposed to a left fielder. So Cody Bellinger would certainly be looking a lot better in a Phillies uniform right now, but not the case. Instead, he's on the Cubs, nipping at the heels of the Phillies. Uh, but I just have, I still have confidence. I still have confidence. When you're when it's this tight and you have a team that you feel like is always in it, then I feel like you have a team that's going to win. And ultimately, they're going to still have an opportunity here, especially after this series with the, uh, uh, with the San Francisco Giants, where you can go out there and really handle your business against teams like the uh the cardinals uh then you have the uh the a's for a three-game series then you got the brewers then you got san diego san diego regardless of where they are in the standings they're going to be a tough uh, a tough team to beat um the, the brewers have been playing some good baseball uh the angels just got news last night that there's a uh ucl tear for Shohei otani so he's shut down as far as pitching goes for the rest of the season and mike trout Played uh, one game and then went back on the IL. So sorry for the Millville native. Here's the way the rest of the season shakes out uh, after this Cardinal series. Angels, then you're at the Brewers and at the San Diego Padres. is a six-game road trip. Then the Marlins, the Braves, at St. Louis, at Atlanta. And then uh, you got New York for a four-game series. You got the Pirates that you host them for a three-game series. And then you go at the uh, the Mets. Mets uh, have been dangerous to the Phillies this year, unfortunately, but uh, probably going to be well packed in by the end of that, by the end of the season. So that's the way the season is going to shake uh, shape up and shake out when you uh, look at the rest of the schedule for the Phillies this year. Here we are on August 24th, uh, August 25th being tomorrow, and the Phillies starting that three-game series with that uh, Giants squad. Or excuse me, I did it again, the Cardinals squad. That's who we're going to be facing. That's who the Phillies are going to be facing. So certainly a rough one last night for the Phillies, but uh, I have confidence they'll be able to bounce back in the series against the Cardinals. Uh, tonight is the final preseason game for your beloved Philadelphia Eagles. I'm really hoping Sidney Brown does not play in this game. I'm going to assume Sidney Brown is going to play in this game. That's the number one guy. When I look at the depth chart of the Eagles and what they're going to be going into the season with, I think you're starting uh, defensive line. I think you're starting secondary. I think you're starting uh, middle linebackers. I think you're starting quarterbacks. I'll go over it with you. I told you guys, I told you guys yesterday that I don't think a lot of us are going to get our wish about Sidney Brown being your starting safety next to Reed Blankenship for week one against the Patriots in New England. I think you're going to get Terrell Edmonds. Uh, I know some people are speculating about Justin Evans, who's had a, actually a decent preseason. Uh, Justin Evans possibly winning that job, uh, making his way into that conversation at least. I think Justin Evans is going to end up. I think he's going to end up making the team, uh, but I don't think he's going to. I don't think that's legitimate that he's going to be a starter by any means. Uh, I think they're going to start with Terrell Edmonds. Now, I think the next guy off the bench, unfortunately for Kayvon Wallace, who's been here a while now. Um, 
who has certainly shown signs and gotten a lot of hype in the preseason and the throughout training camp. I don't think he's going to be the number two man out there either. I think the best case scenario, even though this isn't what I want, but the best case scenario for Sidney Brown is that he is the number two guy off the bench behind Terrell Edmonds, who I think is going to be your starting safety week one against the Patriots in new England. I don't think Terrell Edmonds is going to play tonight. I don't think Kayvon Wallace is going to play tonight. But I do think Sidney Brown is going to get some time out there on the field because the bottom line is they want to get him as much experience as humanly possible. Even if it's against uh, the third string guys, they want to have him out there as much as they can. So I think Sidney Brown is going to get some reps tonight uh, as your uh, starting safety. He might start at safety tonight. And who knows, maybe you have a Reed Blankenship type moment. Even though Reed Blankenship was undrafted and Sidney Brown's a third round pick, you want to see a guy like Sidney Brown go out there and do something. But I think for the ball in uh, the safety position, I think the way you're going to start out the season, and we'll go over this again tomorrow, and then, of course, for the, uh, until week one, uh, I think your starting safety is Reed Blankenship, obviously, and Terrell Edmonds. I think that's going to be a case-closed situation tonight. As for your cornerbacks, that is probably the easiest position to talk about. Darius Slay, James Bradbury, and Avante Maddox uh, as your nickel back. I think that's what you're going to be looking at there. Uh, after that, when you talk about cornerbacks for the Philadelphia Eagles, Eli Ricks has got to step up for himself. Zach McPherson being hurt creates uh, opportunity for other players. Not that you're ever rooting for that for anybody on your squad, but that's the situation that the uh, Philadelphia Eagles are in right now. So I think you're going to have an opportunity here for guys like Eli Ricks, guys like Keely Ringo, who really has to show better awareness at the NFL level of what he is able to do at the cornerback position. And what I'm talking about is that throw that they made on him in the, in the, uh, the, the Browns game where he had his man locked down. And at the college level, when we were doing the post-game show, uh, Derek Gunn and I and Mike Missnelli joined us, made a great point about how, how college level, that is blanketed. Your receiver is blanketed. And when you're in that position as Keely Ringo and you have your arm on the guy, you have your hand on the guy, you can feel where he's at, you feel like you have him well covered, and you're between him and the quarterback. Well, at the NFL level, you can still hit that receiver. You got to keep your eyes on the prize. And he just completely lost focus. And at that point, you're thinking, all right, uh, we need to raise that awareness right now for Keely Ringo. So tonight will be an opportunity for him to get a little bit more experience under his belt and for him to be able to go out there and prove what he can do at the NFL level or show at least what he could do at the NFL level, albeit in a preseason game. So I look forward to seeing that. Eli Ricks. Went from pick six Ricks in preseason game number one to where the hell am I now in preseason game number two. Uh, he was uh, getting beat on uh, on routes. Uh, he was getting lost in the football field. He was missing tackles. It was not a pretty sight. Look, pick six, uh, sexy plays, splash plays, fantastic. But ultimately to win a spot on this defense. We talk about it all the time with Sidney Brown and how it might actually be a detriment to him that he's too aggressive. Oh my goodness. He's so aggressive for a young player. Well, coach him up a little bit as we talked about yesterday. Uh, and for Eli Ricks, it, 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 learn the speed. The guy learn the speed. I know you can have guys like Jalen Carter come out here and talk about how it doesn't really seem different to him on the defensive line, but at the cornerback position. Oh, I imagine the speed of the game is a lot different, especially if you're Eli Ricks or you're Keely Ringo, who are not used to the open in college, or excuse me, I should say blanketed in college, all over him in college versus all over him in the pros. 
And the pros, it means there's no window whatsoever. In college, it means you just got to be on your man and between him and the quarterback. So that's the difference both those two young corners have to get used to at the NFL level. And preseason is the only way you're going to get them started on doing that. But again, with Zach McPherson being out, you're going to need some guys to step up and handle their business at the cornerback position. But ultimately, they're going to be fighting to be in there uh, as the nickel corner to be uh, the, the backup to Avante Maddox, who when he's playing, when he's healthy, obviously a friend of the show as well, but when he's playing and he's healthy, he's one of the best nickel corners in the game. And I've said it before, but you got an embarrassment of riches when you talk about all three guys that can play at a very high level as nickel, as a, as, as, as outside corners or somebody who is uh, covering the guy in the slot. So that's something to look forward to seeing is that battle and who's going to step up of that position group tonight. Uh, and when you look at it, uh, James Bradbury, I know is playing in the, uh, the slot. You're obviously not going to see that tonight. He's not playing tonight. Um, but I, I don't mind the diversity just to address this subject that we really haven't gotten into. He's done all sorts of things. We, we had Jordan Davis lining up on the outside in preseason game. Number one, he was lining up as a defensive end. Uh, you have James Bradbury auditioning to play corner at times. I'm all for it. Everything that you want, like we talk about it all the time with the offensive line. And I know it's a different animal, but it's still talking about versatility. I want as many guys in the offensive line, especially backup guys, guys like uh, Tyler Steen to be playing as many positions as possible. Get their feet wet as many different. You need Swiss army knives. After you talk about the starting five on your offensive line, when you talk about the secondary at any given moment, I would love to see the Philadelphia Eagles throw something different at the Dallas Cowboys. I'd love to see the opportunity where a guy like James Bradbury can line up in the slide on a guy like CD lamb. I would love to see that, get that experience now in the preseason where at least you could have something to call back to when the season starts. Okay. Well, I did this here before. So I remember when I did this, I had somebody else on the outside. I had to respond to how they moved, uh, you know, the lineup with the linebackers right next to me as well. Hassan Reddick right next to me, for instance, you, you can learn the feel of that position. I'm fine with it. This is the time to do that. It's like in spring training, a guy wants to work on a new pitch. Why not work up on a new uh, work, a new formation or get used to a different position in the preseason. It's exactly what it's here for. And when I say preseason, I mean, training camp, excuse me. Um, Josiah Scott uh, had a terrible preseason game. Number one bounced back. Well, was around the football, at least even on plays that he wasn't supposed to make. He was there by the time the play was finished. So bounce back game, but I still, I, I just have, when Avante Maddox was out last year in that Cowboys game, I just have horrible images of Josiah Scott still implanted in my brain. But I think the Phillies are, or the Phillies, I think the Eagles are still going to have confidence uh, in what he can bring to the table there. Uh, we'll see what Josh Job could do at the cornerback position. I know the Eagles are still high on uh, Josh Job. Uh, he's one of the guys that they invested in uh, out of Alabama. He's another uh, Crimson Tide guy that they have bought into. Uh, in uh, in Philadelphia, I know we always talk about Georgia. Right after that, you can talk about Alabama, what they're, they've been able to bring to the table. Uh, Eli Ricks is certainly another guy out of Bama that they're, they're, they're really uh, hoping can, uh, to, can turn things on in the final preseason game. But that's what you're going to be looking at at the cornerback position tonight. Probably the spots that are most available or at the cornerback are at the cornerback position. But ultimately, I think we all know the Eagles are running it back as far as the, as far as the cornerback room goes. Defensive line is interesting for the Eagles. From everything I have gathered, whether it's watching the preseason, whether it's looking at practice, whether it's following uh, the beat writers on, at practice, Jalen Carter is a starter. Fletcher Cox and Jalen Carter are going to be your starting defensive tackles. 
Josh Sweat is going to open up probably as your uh, your right defensive end. Uh, Hassan Reddick will be coming off the edge on the other side as an outside linebacker, but on the line itself will be most likely Brandon Graham. I, I think you're going to get Jordan Davis sprinkled in there. I, all the questions, and we talked about this before, but all the questions that got asked about at the press conferences from every player about wh- who's going to have a breakout season. I didn't hear too many people talk about Jordan Davis. The only person that talked about Jordan Davis was Boston Scott. I, I know people have said complimentary things about Jordan Davis, but Boston Scott spoke eloquently the other day about Jordan Davis and what he's going to be able to bring to his, bring to the table in his sophomore season in the NFL. He talked about how he just looks like a different animal. He just looks like a different guy, like a little leaner than he was last year. Obviously understands the flow and professionalism of the NFL, the professionalism that it requires to improve and help your team. Uh, not that he was lost last year, but it's certainly something that he's gotten better at this year. So when he was asked, who's the guy that's going to have a breakout year? He said Jordan Davis. It was good to hear that because with Jalen Carter and Nolan Smith on the defensive side of the football and Kobe Dean is your starting middle linebacker, um, it, it seems like Jordan Davis – Last year's first-round picks getting lost in the shuffle. Like Jalen Carter, Jordan Davis had a breakout play in his first game as a pro against the Jets last year in the preseason. Then went on to have an okay rookie campaign. The injury obviously derailed that. And you didn't know what you were really getting back after that. Uh, but Jalen Carter is going to start in the interior of this defensive line next to Fletcher Cox. Um, he is... He's not a man amongst boys by any means, but I'll tell you this right away. He's not some kid. He's not some college kid. He's a man looking to move men. And I am really looking forward to see what that push does. And from everybody I've talked to, either a draft expert, beat writer, some uh, trusted college opinions, uh, some trusted pro opinions, everyone I've talked to, they all say the same thing. This guy's just ready to play. And you can talk about immaturity off the field is the lightest way you could po- possibly put that. But the way he is on the field and at the Novacare complex, the guy is a pro already. Not just in the literal sense, but in the mental sense as well. And Javon Hargrave had a great year in his role last year with the Eagles and being able to beat his man. And while Fletcher Cox is getting double teamed or anybody else is getting double teamed, uh, Javon Hargrave did a phenomenal job of playing his role in this Eagles defense, getting after the quarterback for double digit sacks. It might not be as sexy as double-digit sacks with Jalen Carter, but oh my goodness, is he going to open up things for other people? You got a concert, you got Fletcher Cox and uh, Jalen Carter in the middle of that defensive line. Even with a non-disgruntled Zach Martin, the Cowboys are going to have some trouble with that. The Giants, relying heavily on their offensive line, they're going to have some trouble with that. The Washington Commanders, the Josh Harris, Washington awkward handshake Commanders. They're going to have some trouble with that. Everyone in the league, the Patriots, to start things off, are going to have some trouble with that. So I am very much looking forward. Of all the things, look, yeah, the Kobe Dean, we'll get to the linebackers in a second, but the Kobe Dean, I want to see what he does, obviously, a middle linebacker. But the thing I'm most excited to see is how much the Eagles don't miss Javon Hargrave. That's what I'm excited to see. Uh, so I think when you talk about the defensive line, again, Sweat, uh, Cox, uh, you're going to have uh, – <laughs> Uh, uh, Jalen Carter, um, uh, Brandon Graham coming off the edge. No, Derek Barnett doesn't start. And then as far as your linebackers go, Hassan Reddick, outside linebacker, uh, Nicobe Dean in the middle, and then Zach Cunningham, I think is going to be your starting uh, outside linebacker next to Nicobe Dean. 
I think that's the way that shakes out. Christian Ellis, I think, makes this team. Nicholas Morrow, I do think, makes this team. And that's ultimately, I think, what's going to be the decision uh, or could be your linebacking core for this Eagle squad. Ben Van Sumeren has been a guy I have doubted. I have talked about Ben Van Sumeren quite a bit. People were talking about that raw talent, how great he looked in his pro day, how great he looked in his own little version of the combine. Uh, I had my doubts. Fullback to linebacker. Watching him in college, I just, uh, okay, raw talent, fine. How's he going to be at the NFL level? Uh, Eagles look like they have worked some wonders with this guy. And Ben Von Sumerin, Summerin, depending how you like to say it. I like the Sumerin. Um, but instincts look like they are coming along. Uh, he would get in the backfield. He knocked out a pass. Uh, decent in coverage. Was always around the ball late in games when he was getting his opportunity. All right. Raw talent. Shape it. Mold it into something that could actually help this team win football games. Most likely practice squad. Um, don't think he makes the team, but most likely practice squad guy, uh, on the offensive side of things. I know. So that wraps up as far as uh, defensively. I think that's where the Eagles are going to be at there. Um, offensively. I mean, if I call the cornerback situation with the Eagles an embarrassment of riches, uh, I don't know what I would call the offense. Uh, I think fat and happy. I think that's the, I think that's what the direction I'd go. Fat and happy. Your offensive line is stacked. Cam Jurgens is just starting right guard. Everyone knows it. Uh, uh, I think the Eagles are going to have a couple of nice Swiss Army knives. Um, I talked earlier about how important that is for an offensive line. I think the Eagles are going to have the offensive line out there uh, with a few Swiss Army knives backing them up. The only conversation going into the preseason was who's your right guard that was answered when you saw cam jurgens take every single first team snap as nick sirianni so uh humorously and frustratedly pointed out two days ago in his last press conference leading up to final preseason game uh what do you want me to say he's your guy yeah just take every rep um but cam jurgens is starting right guard so then after that, who are other guys that are going to help plug in there? I think Dennis Kelly makes the team. He's a guy that could be a Swiss Army knife. He's a guy that certainly has an experience. He's a guy that can still play. Um, Jack Driscoll, obviously a guy you could move in a lot of different positions on this offensive line. And Tyler Steen has really impressed me. I know he had the back-to-back false start penalties. I know. And I know he had it at the right guard spot, the position he's still trying to learn. Uh, I know he had it with um, uh, Marcus Mariota as the quarterback. Fine. So the cadence might have been off. I don't know. But what happens back to back and nobody else is doing it, it tells me it's a one man problem. He's young. He's going to make those mistakes. But more importantly, above the position, beyond the position that he's probably going to be playing for a long time in the NFL, after he graduates from Stoutland University, right now he is in a Stoutland University grad school program, is the way I like to put it. Uh, he's going to be serviceable as a backup tackle, if need be. Lane Johnson, God forbid. Jordan Mylotta, God forbid, has to miss any time this year. I think Tyler Steen can play at the NFL level. I mean, the thing that sticks out to me, I know people talk about his uh, wingspan isn't the greatest thing in the world, and that's what suits him to be a guard more than a tackle, fine. Uh, But his footwork, I think, can make up for the lack of wingspan, all right? Uh, His footwork does look really good. I uh, want that's one of the things that coming out of college, you, you read about him, and that's what everyone would say. Glowing remarks 
when it came to Tyler Steen and his and his wings and his uh, footwork, how it makes up for everything else. Yeah, ultimately in the NFL, he might be uh, better suited long term as a guard. Well, he's still going to be learning that position. But bottom line, I think the Eagles are going to have him at a point after training camp, after preseason, after the week layoff, after practice, in a position to be able to help the team either at guard or the tackle spot as the season goes on. So Dennis Kelly, Jack Driscoll, uh, Sue Opeta probably makes the team as well. And uh, obviously, Tyler Steen can help you as those Swiss Army knives that we'd like to talk so about so much uh, at the offensive line position. Uh, wide receiver, Olatame, 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 Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus. I think he's making the squad. I think that's a pretty safe bet. I think Quez Watkins is making the squad. That's a pretty safe bet. Uh, those two, look, we're going to talk about the running back position in a minute is interchangeable. I think your third wide receiver is going to be pretty interchangeable as well. Look, it's Devontae Smith. It's A.J. Brown. It's A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith. And then Dallas Goddard, a hold down the fort as your receiving tight end. I think Grant Calcaterra makes the squad, and obviously I think Jack Stahl makes the squad uh, as well. Uh, that's going to be your tight end room. Uh, but wide receiver-wise, I know – Greg Ward, uh, they get a veterans on that practice squad. It's probably going to be another practice squad year for Greg Ward uh, out there also. I feel bad for a guy like uh, Tyree Cleveland who went out there and had himself a pretty solid uh, first two preseason games. Should have reeled in that one. I think it was from, yeah, from, from Tanner McKay. Um, but, uh, yeah, I feel bad for uh, a guy like that. Uh, when you look at some other uh, spots there offensively, I will go to running backs because I know quarterbacks are the uh, creme de la creme conversation. So I'll save that for last. This running back room is going to be very interchangeable. I've said before, and I stick with this. Your leader in carries will be Kenny Gainwell. Your leader in touches will most likely be DeAndre Swift. Rashad Penny will be the uh, goal line situation back most likely. He'll be the third and short back, most likely. Uh, I think that's how they're going to use that running back position. And then when it comes to Boston Scott, I know it's a joke to most people, but I think it's uh, it's it's pretty close at least. I think Boston Scott is going to be used mostly against the Giants. I think he'll have games. We'll have like two, three carries here and there. Then he'll play the Giants. Five carries, six carries. That's the way I think they're going to use Boston Scott. And obviously, you know, running backs. It's a tough position to keep healthy. They're going to need every one of them. Boston's got Rashad Penny. Trey Sermon, odd man out. I know everyone loves to talk about Trey Sermon uh, with all this uh, admiration and how great he is. Everyone on the coaching staff, but nobody else is uh, nobody else is talking about it. The fumble, I know he had the 33-yard touchdown run. That was great. He also had some great blocking along the way. Dennis Kelly being one of the guys to get out there on a great block, so that's why another reason why I think Dennis Kelly makes a team. He can still move, um, but still the fumble. I know it was a great play. Diabate, as I made that play for Cleveland, but the fumble is unforgivable. Can't do that. Can't do that. Um, so your running backs are going to be pretty interchangeable throughout the season, but I think basically it's going to go from bottom to top. I think it's going to go Boston Scott. I think it's going to go Rashad Penny, DeAndre Swift, and then it's going to go Kenny Gainwell as RB1 and 1A. If a guy's going to lead in touches, another guy, and he's still going to get catches. Excuse me, if a guy's going to lead in uh, uh, rushing attempts and also going to get receptions, Kenny Gainwell, it'll be close between him and DeAndre Swift, but ultimately more rushes. I think it's going to go Kenny Gainwell. More run, uh, more uh, receptions will be uh, DeAndre Swift. Uh, so that's the way I see that shaping out. But basically, I think it's going to be RB1 and RB1A on this uh, in the running back room. When it comes to quarterbacks, 
how, if you're Nick Sirianni, can you constantly talk about competition and even glance at Marcus Mariota and say, oh, he's the backup? Like, I know the NFL experience is there. I've talked about it plenty of times. What, 89 games he's played in the NFL? Yeah. Running ability, yes. Certainly, he has a similar running skill set to Jalen Hurts. I just want the better quarterback. That's all I that's all I want. I just want the better quarterback. And this six-round pick, Tanner McKee, out of Stanford, you can make no argument as to who has been the better quarterback in practice, in training camp, obviously, and in the preseason. It's Tanner McKee. So if you're Nick Sirianni, you're all about competition. There's no competition. Tanner McKee is far and away been better than Marcus Mariota. And the Eagles need to seriously consider in case anything, God forbid, goes wrong with Jalen Hurts, the first guy off. Here's where I'll take it to. The Eagles are up 30 on the Patriots week one. <laughs> That's where I'll, I'll take it to the most optimistic part. Okay. They're up 30 in the fourth quarter on the Patriots. Jalen Hurts out of the game and off the bench comes the six-round pick out of Stanford, Tanner McKee. Let, let him eat, fella. Go out there, run the offense. Not Marcus Mariota. Just because he's been around longer doesn't mean he's been around doing it right. I know the NFL experience is a big deal, but sometimes you're just a better player. I'd like to see Tanner McGee, Tanner McKee win that position over Marcus Mariota. Because here's ultimately what I know with Marcus Mariota. He can't, he can't hack it in the NFL. Not a legitimate starter. He lost that job in Tennessee. He lost that job in Atlanta. He had an opportunity in Atlanta with the same offensive, the same play caller as he had in Tennessee. Didn't work out. Didn't work out in uh, Oakland. What makes you think it's going to work out here? Not as a starter, but this is a guy who, yeah, could start a couple games. Could come in and get significant time in any given game. That's what backup quarterbacks, that's why you got to worry about it. That's why it matters. Oh, if Jalen Hurts is out, it doesn't matter anyway. Really? I, it does. I, I hate I hate that it's such a lazy, stupid narrative. Oh, you lose Jalen Hurts, it's out anyway. Of all cities, let's just jump to the obvi- obvious. You can't say that in Philadelphia. You want a Super Bowl with a backup quarterback. Okay, Is that the norm? Absolutely not. It's not the norm. So let me acknowledge that. But it's just dumb to say that in the city of Philadelphia. But if you lose Jalen Hurts, you might as well forget about it anyway. Um. Are you forgetting how stacked this offense is? It's like you get a decent quarterback to come in and play decently. You get a quarterback to come in and just play point guard and let everybody else make plays behind this offensive line. Like that is such a slap in the face to how stacked this team is. And I never thought I'd say this. That's a slap in the face to Howie Roseman and how deep he has made this team. So yes, I'm going to go ahead and say the the backup quarterback matters. Any quarterback in the NFL matters. You suck at that position. It all falls apart. If you just go out and play point guard, which I think Tanner McKee can do. I'm not so sure. Um, you go out there and just play point guard. Anything can happen. Um, San Francisco giants. We all know their story all too. Well, unfortunately their defense took over and dominated. They had uh, how many quarterbacks? They had 23 quarterbacks last year. Um, I can't say those words. I can't uh, people say those words, especially in this city that they, Oh, you lose Jalen hurts it's over. Anyway, do you really want to say that in this city? I think we learned our lesson. Even when Carson Wentz went down at MVP level, Carson Wentz went down in LA. I was on uh, the next day and I was talking about, I'm not 
throwing the towel in on this season. They can all Nick Foles has to do is play point guard. All Tanner McKee would have to do is play point guard. Marcus Mariota would have to play point guard, but I think he'd be throwing a lot of passes out of bounds, unfortunately. So I am not going to be one of those people that just goes, well, Jalen's hurt. Well, yeah, obviously your odds take a hit. But uh, defense looks like it's going to be pretty damn good this year. And your offense, uh, you got you know four capable guys to hand the ball to. You got a great. I think a guy that's. I really. I want. I want Dallas. If I could, other than the quarterback, but if I could just put a, 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 a force field around one player that I think is going to have a huge year and say this guy's going to stay healthy, this guy's going to be great, this guy's going to put the league on notice how great he can really be. It's Dallas Goddard. Dallas Goddard is the one guy I'm looking at this year that is going to have a. He's had great seasons before, but they haven't been truly great because of the injuries. But he goes out there this year, stays healthy. You're going to talk about a pro bowler. You're going to talk about a guy who's also going to be on the top 100 list. Uh, That's the guy I'm really looking forward to staying healthy this year Um, because I think he's going to have a phenomenal season, especially, uh, look, guys are going to be marking in on A.J. Brown. They're going to be marking in on Devontae Smith. Uh, Dallas Goddard could beat linebackers, man. They match him up on linebackers. He's going to beat those guys. I think that's going to be a great. I think this year is going to be a great opportunity for Dallas Goddard to go out there and handle himself. Uh, just if I could put one force field around one player, non-quarterback, it would be Dallas Goddard this year because I really want to see what he's able to do. Um, and that's the way I think it shapes up. Uh, ultimately, the Eagles are going to have Marcus Mariota as a backup quarterback. It's two things. My prediction and my desire are different things. I predict Terrell Edmonds will be your starting safety opposite Reed Blankenship. I desire Sidney Brown to be your starting safety. I predict Marcus Mariota will be your backup quarterback. I desire it to be Tanner McKee. Tonight against the Colts, Eagles wrap things up for the preseason. And then we go into a nice little uh, down period. <laughs> uh, we focus on the, we will focus on roster cuts for early next week. Uh, and then, of course, we'll uh, talk about the Phillies, hopefully running away with it when it comes to uh, the wild card race in the National League. That's what we'll be looking at. Uh, let me see what you wonderful people have to say in our chat check here. Uh, T <laughs> uh, bros in. I, now, I only have access. Uh, PJ is like off, off today. Um, let me see here. He had to go to Chicago last minute. Um, so I'm running the show. I don't think we're up on Jacob right now, unfortunately. Let me hop over there and just see because I don't want to I don't want to leave out my Jacob people. Oh yeah, there we are. There we go. PJ, what's up, buddy? Uh all right, let me start it off before I put the comments up because I can't put the Jacob media comments up. I can put like Sean Kilrain up here. Good morning. T Bro, what's up? No Christmas stuff is definitely out earlier this year. Thank you, T Bro. Thank you. That sucks. In case you missed it earlier, I opened the show. And this was all sparked by the the cult of pumpkin spice latte people. Where I believe it's out today. The, the, the pumpkin spice latte debuts today for the year. Okay? Debuts the year. Ah! Stop moving it up. Stop pushing fall on me, bro. I just really like my pumpkin spice latte. Do you? It represents something terrible to me. Anyway, um, so yeah. 
let's see here. Uh, starting over on the um, uh, Jacob Media. What's going on, Brian? Palancar, what's going on? Good morning, brother. Great call. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate you. Jason 18, what's going on, bud? Morning, Farzi. We ready for the regular season? Yes, I am ready for the regular season. You know what I'm looking forward to talking? Here, hold on a second. Let me, uh, who's the most random guy I can come up with here? Um, no, I don't want to put, I don't want to put that kind of negativity on anybody. Yeah, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. But I'm just I played a game last year with Derek Gunn and Devin Caney during the preseason. I said, um, I said, let's play a game. Um roster, roster bubble was something stupid, like roster bubble or made up. I was just making up some names. Gunner did pretty well. Um Devin Devin did good too. She did well as also. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm tired of like, wait, who? Where'd that guy come from? Huh? Is it the regular season yet? I do say, I know people are going to uh, poo-poo it, but you got to watch preseason game number three, man. Reed Blankenship just jumped off the field to me last year in the third preseason game. And when he went in uh, 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 for Chauncey Garner-Johnson and he picked off Aaron Rodgers, I wasn't surprised. But he nailed City uh, Saquon Barkley in the backfield. Against the Giants, I wasn't surprised because I watched preseason game number three. So don't you poo-poo it. It's still football, baby. It's still football. Uh, oh, and the Phillies are off tonight. <laughs> Let me just say that one more time. Uh, what, what the hell? I'm lost over here. Um, Babs. Babs was joining me earlier in the morning. What's going on? See you on Eagles post game tonight, Farzee. I believe we're doing Eagles post game. Usually how it works is I'll get a text. Are you good for tonight? Oh, I guess we're doing tonight. Uh, I don't know. They might have somebody else. I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, I, I, I assume we'll be doing the show. Uh, rumors are flying around. Howie is thinking of snagging Taylor. Did you hear anything? I did not hear that. Oh, I've seen. Yeah, Brian, I've, I've seen. Look, here's what you can say. The Eagles made a call. Here's what I can tell you without having anybody tell me this. The Eagles made a call. They kicked the tires and went, yeah, no. Because here's what it comes down to. It doesn't come down to trading for Jonathan Taylor. That's easy. It comes down to paying a running back. And the Eagles are not going to pay a running back. That's what it comes down to. I don't put anything past Howie. I don't. You know what I do put past Howie, though? Okay, hold on. I don't put any trade past Howie Roseman. You know what I do? You know what I do put past Howie Roseman? Paying a running back. That's what I put past Howie Roseman. He's not going to pay a running back. And John and Taylor wants to get paid. And the Eagles aren't going to pay him. Literally, the Eagles just got four running backs for for the price of Miles Sanders. What makes you think they're going to be like, oh, yeah, show me the money. I'll show you the money. Come on. Play for us. Here's a blank check. Not happening. Uh, Davis going to be big time this year. Jordan Davis. I hope so. Uh, I did see the rumors, though, about it's, for me. I think the Eagles are the easiest team to put rumors in or make rumors on because as I told you guys before, and I reference it all the time, but Adam Schefter always said, whenever I would ask him about anything with the Eagles, he was like, well, the Eagles are in on everything. Like he would just act like a trade rumors out there. Somebody's available. Howard Rose is on the phone immediately. Oh yeah. What do you want? Yeah, nah, I'm out. They at least kick the tires on everything. Uh, Scott contract is basically just for the giants. Oh, Boston Scott. Yeah. <laughs> That's the stipulation right there. 
That's the stipulation right there. Uh, Boston Scotch contract is right there. Jason A. Farzi, if you could pick up a different backup on free agents, who would you grab? Don't know. Ask me that question next week because I want to know who comes available. Because as of right now, the list I've looked at is not good. Look, for the name everyone gives a damn about, Nick Foles, I would do it. I would do it happily. Oh, you can't do that. What if Jalen Hurts is terrible? First off, Jalen Hurts is not going to be terrible. And second, I know Nick Foles can come in and win games as a backup. He can't do it anywhere else. (laughs) You know where he can do it, though? Here in Philadelphia. It's pretty amazing. (laughs) They run RPOs all all the live long day with uh, Jalen Hurts. They can run more RPOs with uh, Nick Foles, and Nick Foles is pretty good at running the RPO. Now, everyone knows in the building the R is not happening. The P is happening. So it's not much of an O. (laughs) But uh, he can run it. They they, they won a Super Bowl with him running RPOs. For whatever reason, he he was good in Kansas City as a backup for a brief amount of time. And he was great here in Philadelphia as a backup. There's something in the, 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 the Schuylkill spring water that just makes him a great quarterback. Only here is that magical, mystical. Oh, hmm. Schuylkill Springs, where Nick Foles wins games. Ah, Schuylkill Springs. The NFL is launching an investigation for performance-enhancing drugs for Nick Foles. Apparently, he's been drinking Schuylkill water. Uh, that's what you call a selfish joke. Something that I only find funny. I don't know. Uh, agree. We still have to, uh, a month left of summer. Thank you, Jason. A appreciate everyone of the Jacob media, uh, sports, YouTube page. It's bumping over here to the Farzy show page. What's going on. It's a thing. It's a new thing. Farzy can let us enjoy summer. Oh, wait, let's put Halloween stuff out. Sean. I know. I, you know, I, I'm a simple man. I'm a nice man. You know what I'm saying? I, uh, I, I, the Christmas stuff I know just keeps inching its way forward. And I know that it helps the economy. I, I understand that. I get it. It helps people start spending money a little bit earlier than they should, right? But the Halloween stuff, I don't like seeing Christmas stuff. I, I, I never, at any point in my life, even when they started doing it, I never like seeing Christmas stuff out after. If, when, when I eat um, a turkey leg, okay? And I, uh, I, uh, I overdose on desserts. Okay. And I have played hours upon hours of Joe Montana football and Sega Genesis with my cousins. After that only, do I want to hear anything about old Chris Kringle as a Gentile? That's I just said the only time I ever want to hear any sleigh bells. Oh baby. Is after I have devoured a Turkey leg. I have OD'd on desserts and I played hours of Joe Montana football and Sega Genesis with my cousins. After that, we could, we could talk all the, the ho, 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 all you want. Then you can bring the hose out. Okay. Yeah. You heard me. Uh, but other than that, I don't want to hear it, but now we live in a society where it's just the norm, the Christmas stuff, but it is Christmas stuff next to Halloween stuff. What kind of society are we living in? And now the pumpkin spots, lights, spots, 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 the hell is that the pumpkin spiced latte pumpkin spice latte in august next thing i know my wife's gonna be saying can you take us to an orchard oh take the kids to an orchard i'm not uh i'm not a seasonal guy i enjoy the seasons but i'm the same in every season i'm more tan 
in one season than I am the rest of the seasons. And that's about it. The bald head isn't as shiny. Uh, but yeah. Uh, T-Bro was on even the Halloween stuff is out in July. Come on. I did see that at Costco. I did see this. I'm with you, Parzi. Calm it down, fall. I am with you. D-Nasty, what's going on? It was BJ's for me. Oh, you were a BJ's guy. I've never stepped foot uh, inside a, a BJ's. Um, April! What's up, April? I have heard wonderful things about BJ's. I have heard that. Uh, but I've, I've never never been in the BJ's. Costco, Sam's Club. Got to go to Costco tomorrow. Lil Toots is having a way too late birthday party. We got to prepare. I just found out the head count because it's a birthday party for her school. So two other kids are having birthdays and they're all coming to our house. So I just found out, I thought it was going to be 23 people. I think it's going to be 36 people at my house, which is fine. I love hosting. Um, but uh, here's one thing to help spread the party. As most of you know, we, we moved into a house that has a pool, um, but we also have a backyard behind the pool, a back backyard. Um, and our friends bought our daughter for her birthday, a slip and slide, not like the old eighties slip and slides that a lot of us knew and loved, but like a, a new one that has a pool at the end. It's, it, it's more like a crocodile aisle, crocodile alley, crocodile aisle. Uh, which if you don't remember the theme song, for whatever reason, I remember the theme song very well. You run, you slide, you hit the bump and take a dive. There you go. Um, this one does not have a bump, but it does have a pool at the end of it that it, it dumps you off into. And um, I'll just say it's a, it's a phenomenal time. It's a phenomenal time. So that's going on for me this weekend. So all I got to hit uh, Costco coming up again. Uh, Sean, go damn you, Kimbrel and JT with your <laughs> poopy performance. Come on, man. Fuji, what's going on? Nice to see you. How you doing? Uh, MV3 is on a tear. He absolutely is. Mark, uh, say we say we don't need Jonathan Taylor. We don't need Jonathan Taylor. But if you're telling me that Jonathan Taylor is a running back for this football team, is the running back for this football team, for the upcoming season. Yeah. I'm really happy about that. You don't need an MVP quarterback to be your quarterback. You don't need uh, two pro bowl wide receivers. You don't need 2000 yard wide receivers, um, but it's nice. <laughs> so I wouldn't mind it. If Jonathan Taylor's on the Eagles tomorrow, I'm not. Rah, 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 rah. I am if they sign him to like a five-year, $150 million contract, you know, something stupid. Um, but that's obviously not happening. By the way, I didn't realize this. You know, the last running back traded for a first-round pick was Trent Richardson. That was 2013? I knew he was traded for a first-round pick, but I was just thinking, I was like, wow, was he the, the last guy? Like Christian McCaffrey didn't get a first-round pick. And Christian McCaffrey, as I pointed out the other day with Jody McDonald on Birds 365 when I was in for John McMullen, Christian McCaffrey is – Debo Samuel uses the term wide back, okay? Wide receiver who can play running back. Well, Christian McCaffrey is the opposite of that. He's a back wide, I guess. I don't know. Um, but even the versatility that he brings and the fact that he could be your slot receiver every day too or every down besides just being a running back – he wasn't worth a first-round pick, but he was worth four total picks, I believe it was, five total picks, including a second and a third. 
So yeah, that's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, thanks everybody in the chat. You guys are great. As per usual, Eagles, Colts tonight. Wrap up the preseason. See if any chippiness works its way into tonight's ball game. Uh, I doubt it. Um, but uh, yeah, look forward to uh, that. And uh, yeah, I'll let you guys know uh, on the social media networks as to whether or not I'll be actually doing a post game show tonight. We shall see. We shall see. Uh, until then, Jim Hyder produced program did a wonderful job as per usual. My name is Mark Farzetta. This is the Farzi Show. Make sure you like. Make sure you subscribe on uh, Farzi Show and on Jacob Media as well. All the people. On the podcast. Thanks so much. Professor Dutch wasn't in either chat today. Um, so two things to a couple of our uh, commenters and uh, known podcasters. Three uh, that are uh, keep in touch with the show. Uh, one, Mike, our runner. Hope you enjoy the show while you're running today. Uh, two, Ari out in St. Louis. It's on starting tomorrow. Your Cardinals coming to town. Please, please lay down. Please lay down for the Phillies. Uh, and then Professor Dutch, who's probably hiking, which is why he might not be in the chat. Watch out. That's poison ivy. Watch out for the bear. Is that a mountain lion? Anyway, thanks, everyone. My name is Mark Farzad. This is the Farzi Show. We'll be back with you guys tomorrow to talk about all the wildly amusing things that come out of preseason game number three. Have a great rest of your day, everybody. Talk to you tomorrow. See you. Oh, I forgot again. I have to hit the button. Ba da ba ba da ba ha